Welcome to Absolute Clarity, the number one travel management podcast brought to you by Clarity, your business travel experts. This is the final episode of season two. We've made it all the way, 14 episodes and a special. We have got another special coming up, we'll talk about that later. Uh, this episode, I really wanted to speak about, in quite, kind of a, a blunt way, why use a TMC. So we've got other companies on here, we've promoted them. Uh, but I wanted to get Paul Casement, Director of Sales and Accounts, and... Pat McDonough, CEO, to come on and really talk about why do you need to use a TMC with so much freedom in the marketplace nowadays with all these companies out there where you can go and just essentially build a deal yourself. What are the true benefits of a TMC? So let's uh, welcome our guests first and foremost. So Pat and Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not going to have you introduce yourselves. You've done it a million times. We know who you are. And if we don't know by now, you will soon. Uh, before we get into all that kind of stuff, I want you to get into a bit of a history of Clarity because there's a lot kind of that's gone on over the years for Clarity that if you're just looking at it on paper and how long Clarity's been going, you'd think it was a relatively new company, mm-hmm. which in part it is, but there's actually a lot of, of history in the background, a lot of legacy, a lot of experience and wisdom. Yeah. So we'll go through yourselves first, so about how you guys actually came to Clarity. So Pat, start with you, pay yeah. the bills. So how did you come to Clarity? So I joined the business in 2012. At the time, uh, the business I joined was Cooperative Travel Management, which was uh, a part of the cooperative, as everybody would know it, Um, but at the time, actually, also a part of the joint venture with Thomas Cook. Uh, So Cooperative Travel and Thomas Cook created a joint venture in 2012. Um, I'd previously spent the, the, the previous sort of six months to a year trying to get that joint venture past the competition commission on behalf of the two businesses. Um, and, uh, and the opportunity came about to, to run the business travel division, join the business uh, really positive about you know, what we could do with it. I thought there was a great opportunity to grow a great business that was already profitable, had a great set of clients behind it, um, an outstanding reputation for customer service, but perhaps needed some technology um, some um, big business processes that, that could simplify things and just a, a reinvigoration of the proposition as well. So we, we spent several years doing that. Um, in 2014, we were actually sold to Altair, which is a Saudi Arabian business listed on the Saudi Arabian Stock Exchange and rebranded to Clarity in 2015. Um, at which point uh, the business really took off, really grew the business, uh, to the point where around about the end of 2016, we were uh, roughly double the size we were when I joined in 2012. Um, And at the same time, we acquired a business of a very similar size in Portman Travel. And actually, the roots of both businesses go back uh, a, a really long way. Portman Travel was actually established in 1959, so the Portman name, the Portman business, is celebrating its 60th year in business now. And many of the component parts of uh, the old Clarity, Cooperative Travel Management, uh, date back to similar times. 
uh, in fact, um, a division of um, cooperative travel management was f at first responsible for moving people within the cooperative movement and the wholesale society uh, as early as the 19th century. So, so we really do go yeah, back yeah. a very long way. But in its traditional sense, the business, as, as you see it today, really runs back at least until 1959. And from yourself, you actually started off on the leisure side of travel. Yeah. Yeah. So what made you want to jump into the business side? I have to admit, at first, uh, being a, a leisure guy, I, I thought business travel was boring. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it didn't have the appeal that leisure travel had. I'd, I'd had a very successful career in tour operating, working for Thomas Cook for, uh, for my travel and for cooperative travel. And, uh, and I thought maybe, you know, maybe this isn't the right kind of thing for me, but uh, upon researching it and seeing the, the challenges presented to the business, many of them were similar to what you see in, in leisure travel. And I think um, saw the real potential in the business to grow. So um, it very quickly became attractive and interesting to me. And, you know, personally, I don't believe I've looked back since. I really enjoyed my time. Uh, it's a very fast-moving industry and uh, a great one to be a part of. And how does your story play into this, Paul? Uh, well, I, I joined uh, CTM a similar time, but I was involved in the uh, sports and events side of the business. Okay. Um, and then um, what, what, we, what we did was we then sort of changed the role and I became involved, more and more involved in sales. And, and certainly at the, at the time, the, the sales and also the account management team was very much, um, it was very different to how it was today. I mean, certainly there was very little in terms of the sales team. I think it was probably only a, a couple of people really actually in pure sales. The, 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 and the real difference is the amount in a year in sales is something we would do in probably half a month now. You know, the, 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 the original business was actually built on, you know, some longevity in customers. Um, but also the market was changing and people were then, you know, procurement was coming in um, and there was starting to become an increase in attrition. Uh, there'd never been a real need to keep on topping up the customers because they'd all been around very stable customer base. But then we started to see the customers were going. Uh, and then we had to really go back to a bit of basics and in sales and account management. Um, um, I had experience in that in, in previous previous roles. So there's an opportunity to actually uh, slightly change direction um, and uh, and get involved in it. But we certainly, we, we changed our focus really in terms of um, the way that we, we were account managing. Um, I would probably describe it as very much like a um, tea and biscuits account management at the time. The account management side is now a real integral part of the sales process because you have to add, add value. Um, and, you know, as the, as the theme of the, uh, the, the show is really about why you should use the TMC and the account manager is an integral part of that because they should be providing you the, the data and the interpretation of what you're doing. Um, so I've been in, that, in this role since essentially 2012 where we've now got a you know, highly effective sales team, uh, telemarketing team, uh, and our, real, our approach is totally different. The way that we do bids, the way that you approach business is different. And, and also now that we are, you know, clarity, the, the, the really important thing for us is to actually have a, some personality that's coming across as a business uh, travel provider because we want to be you know, exciting, innovative, interesting and be seen as a, as a company that's um, going places and, and, and changing the way that business travel is. So that's really important to us and that's yeah. part of the way that we sell. Was that a big risk for yourselves? Because I suppose corporate travel for a long time has been very blue. 
hasn't it? It's been very... I suppose what Portman was, Portman was a legacy, very kind yeah. of established corporate travel, whereas I suppose Clarity in some aspects was the opposite of that. It was the new, fresh, fun. Was it difficult to get that across at the beginning? Maybe one of the challenges we set the the, the marketing uh, people when we, when we sat down and considered where we were going with the brand was we need to stand out because this is a, an incredibly competitive marketplace and there's there's a lot of similarity in a lot of what everybody offers. So, so what's going to set us apart? What's important? And, and actually, this is still predominantly a people-led industry. We think the qualities of our people need to come through in, in what we're telling people. Um, but we also think we need to recognise that not every client is created the same. And... Too many of our competitors, when you look at their websites, you look at their marketing collateral, etc., it's the same old stuff. It's your atypical business person on a business trip, usually wearing a suit with a wheelie case, a laptop looking awful, awfully serious, pictures of cityscapes, uh, and that is the very generic view of business travel we think is out there and actually the real reality behind this is that business travel is incredibly diverse we send um, people out um, working on infrastructure projects muddy boots guys who uh, who need perhaps a day sleep in in a hotel uh, need to understand where they're going to get their their van overnight and where that's going to be um, it might be that we're moving elite sports people who have completely different sets of requirements, university professors to places that you wouldn't normally travel to, uh, NGOs, uh, charities, uh, go to completely different places to, to the standard business trip. And, and that diversity has to be recognised in what you're saying to the market because otherwise you're only getting to a, a very small audience in what is a very large market um, so you know we need people to see what we're saying and think that applies to me i think one of the uh, the, the key elements of clarity is that the the a, num- a number of the the senior team are not necessarily business travel people and i think that we probably have a, a slightly different approach i think certainly uh, we did. We probably didn't understand the rules, you know, of what business travel was all about, and I think that that made us look at things slightly afresh. And certainly from the sales process, you know, we weren't we weren't all coming from a business travel sales background. We were coming from much more of a, a, a you know maybe a, a you know event sales background or a, a other sectors. Yeah. So we were bringing something to the table which was not necessarily there, and I think that that's that's allowed us to be fairly fresh in our approach. And also, we'd, 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 and challenge what's what's actually out there, uh, and that's why the you know the whole personality thing is really important to us. You know, people are buying people from us. Yeah. You know, they're buying. You know, one one of the, the the key things for us is that if somebody comes into our offices, they can feel the the culture, they can feel the way that people work, they can get a you know they 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 normally respond to it, and it's very it's very unusual for us not to win a piece of business after somebody's been in the office because they can see what our people are like. Um, but I, I think a lot of it is actually culturally. We're not probably from a business travel background, you know, with Pat's background, my background, and various other members of the board are all from different backgrounds. So we're not we're not necessarily in the in the in the silos of how you would normally think. And and I think if you look at what business travel would be, become was 
there's been this culture of order taking. We have an account, that account's been won, we've operated it for years, people are going to phone and we're going to take the order. And we come from a background whereby you're constantly fighting for every booking, yeah. every inquiry. And the service level, the service standards you have to have to achieve that are that much higher than the old order-taking mentality. Um, and these days, um, it's not good enough to be the order-taker because you do have to impress everybody with every interaction because ultimately there's so much choice out there. People can go maverick. They yep. can decide, I'm not going to book with the TMC because I can't get through to them. Because when I speak to them, they're just going to be the same old rubbish. Um, well, you, you've got to avoid people thinking that way. And they've got to have, actually, probably an even more positive experience than they would get in their consumer life. Because they've been told to do this anyway through these people. We've got to be better than anyone else out there. And, and perhaps that, that mentality wasn't there before. And perhaps it isn't there in some of our competitors. Um, we recognised how important it was. And, and then the other practices, you know, uh, ensuring best available content and best commercials and, um, and, and managing the, 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 the operation and simplifying things, automating things. These are all general travel business practices that we were well used to. So we had the skill set, we had different mindset, but I think the different mindset was a very healthy thing for the business. Do you feel like coming from a leisure background, there's that ethos that has been brought over that level of customer service that you need to provide, um, engagement with a customer that you typically wasn't in business travel, like say it was not a take-in, you would you'd mm. know usually where you were going to go. You were you had a meeting at this place, you needed to get a train there or a flight. But the fact that, especially from a, a leisure point of view, sometimes it is about getting that best deal, but about look at, taking all the piece of the puzzle. Now, you know, everybody's talking about consumer-grade technologies, the business travel experience being similar to leisure, the n newly blurred lines between business and leisure. Um, pleasure, <laughs> pleasure. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but really, yeah, absolutely. That that had to be understood because, because people always compare it to what they can get in their own personal lives. And, and the you've market, got to be at least as good. The marketplace since we we joined in two thousand twelve. I mean, it's it's absolutely light years away from it was. Our background's probably enabled us to look at the online booking tool in a different way because we were looking at it from not just replicating what was in the office to be online. It was actually thinking much more of a, an experience of how to how to book things, and that's I think what, what how we've continued to this day. But what we're now seeing is that the the, the crossover between the uh, consumer leisure travel traveller to the business traveller. There's a lot of a lot of the questions we get asked about why should you use a TMC is because they are looking at say Airbnb or Skyscanner, all of that kind of stuff. Everyone, everyone in the in in this era of you know internet savvy, people are very comfortable with booking their own flights. You know, there was a time when people would be a bit scared of it. What if it went wrong? Who can I blame? You know, that's why people use travel agencies because if it all messed up, you could you can kind of blame someone for it. 
Whereas people are now very savvy about it. They expect to be able to do that stuff themselves. They do it in their personal lives. So the, the business travel sector has had to really make sure that it was ahead of the game and, and, and provide technology, tools, but not only the, the, the basis of just being able to book um, it has to be more than that. You know, it has to be much more of a complete service. You know, the reasons why you're using the TMC is not just so that you can make a booking. You know, that that's fairly that's a that's a given. Um, there has to be more to the process and more to the service um, that you're that you're offering to make sure that you 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 are you're fulfilling a role and fulfilling a, a requirement for the customer. How difficult was it in the beginning to get a technology that matched that style of business you wanted to conduct incredibly difficult because i remember a very early conversation when when i joined the business with uh, with with one of the management team and we talked about the booking process and i said well i'd prefer to book all my stuff on online mm. and uh he said yeah fine um so there are three different systems you have to go into one for air one for rail one for hotel and 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 I I actually said, are you serious? Is this this some kind of joke? Uh, no, no. That each one is the best in class. Well, that's great, but um, that gives me no particular incentive to, if I'm going to book it myself, to to use this TMC because I can go and book things on separate websites. I, I come from leisure where you can, you know, you can dynamic package on a leisure yeah. website or it's already packaged. And when I'm booking things on the leisure w website, at the end, it's going to say, do you want a car? Do you want an airport lounge? Do you want yeah. this? Do you want that? Do you want the other? It's, it's a simple process. So coming from leisure, that was a massive shock to me. And then finding the right technology is hard because um, you've got to find something that gives you as much content as you need to give the end user the confidence that when they're using it, they don't need to go looking anywhere else. And the interesting thing about that is that most maverick bookers who choose to go away from the TMC will look at about eight websites for each booking. They spend a lot of time doing it. So how do you get that level of confidence in the end user so that they think I don't need to go and look at these eight websites or if they do go and look at the eight websites they don't beat what you've got and finding technology that did that was the hardest part because actually culturally historically businesses have been prepared to accept that we've got most of it but people can't go elsewhere well, now they could. So the content was the big part. And the other part of it was that it had to, ha it had to be able to scale because a lot, of, a lot of competitors, not so much these days, but certainly back then, used to look upon a, an online booking tool as a, a box to tick in a tender because people won't really use it. Um, my view was we actually do want something that people will use. Yeah. Because otherwise, what's the point? It has to, there has to be substance to everything we do, and um, and we, you know, I can look back at that now and say we've achieved that because yeah, we do we do in excess of twenty five thousand bookings a week online on the tool we selected, 
and uh, and that really speaks volumes for what we've achieved so it had to be able to achieve that scale it had to be a real thing so you've got that for clarity and then you've done this merger with portman mm-hmm. i'm assuming that they would have had their own ways of booking travel online how did you then think right well we've got two systems now yep. got two different sets of staff how are we going to merge this together how much of a task was that throughout the the merger process we selected best in class um so that's involved uh, the selection of a booking tool which turned out to be GoToBook uh, as the primary booking tool we offer other solutions we're a concur preferred partner uh, and we do offer other solutions that may suit a particular market was we, that a difficult decision to, yeah, it was hard, to yeah. still yeah, have those other tools uh, well not so much because concur is is market dominant particularly in the us and uh, and, and it's a great product um, because it offers something that, that traditional booking tools don't with the expense solution. We're huge advocates of Conquer and, and, uh, and, and really support the sales development of that product. I think, uh, I think it, it, it really works for customers who, who want that product. And other solutions, we're very customer driven. So if a customer wants a certain thing and, and we can't deliver that with the primary booking tools, then we, we look at other, other approaches because we, we want to deliver to the customer's objective. Moving on from that, we, we selected a duty of care platform, which was actually um, from the Portman side of the business. Uh, GoToTrack now has been, we redoubled the investment in that. So effectively you're looking at um, what each business would have spent separately we're now spending on one tool together and we created an entirely new management information platform which you know we had the express intention of it being better than anything else out there uh, because we liked what we had in the other two businesses but we saw an opportunity to do something even better so it's been a great opportunity actually to to start to leverage the scale of the business and redouble the investment and, and that's what we believe we have now is in GoToBook, we have a market leading product proposition. The Pulse team can confidently go out to existing accounts and add value with. And then when we go out to market for new sales, it's, it's irresistible because we're best in class in each product category. I think that's one of the um, defining things about us, actually. We, I, remember, I remember we were having conversations about the online booking tool where we, we did have a shortfall in that originally and what we were making the decision do we do the tick box do we get something which actually then fulfills the tick box in the tenders that we have an online booking tool or do we actually decide that uh, we're not playing catch up we, 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 we need to lead the market we have to do something which is actually going to leapfrog everything out there and I think that's always been our, our, our approach is to to try and get ahead of the game rather than just match what's out there uh, and that's what we've done with GoToInsight is that uh, we believe it's completely revolutionary. It, it deals in, in different ways of, of managing data. Data is kind of the, the roots of the, the, the TMC business now. It's about what, what you're doing with the data. But, it, but I think what we do is, uh, and which is really different, is that it allows the client to predict the future as well as look at what's happened in the past. A lot of MI tools um, currently out there are really only looking in the past. They're looking at what your buying trends are, how well you're buying, how you know what your compliance is, and that kind of stuff. Uh, and that's that's you know essential information. What I particularly like about the new 
style MI tool is it will allow you to start looking at what your budget's doing. You know, I, I, you know, I, if you change your buying patterns and 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 scenario based your, your 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 buying patterns, will that allow you to make some better decisions in the future? Do you make need to make different decisions? And I think that's a really powerful tool uh, that you're looking to manage the future travel spend rather than just deal with what you've already done. When there's not much you can do about what, what's already done, you can take some action about the future in terms of your policies, um, but you, you're only doing it based on what's happened in the past. This allows you to predict what will happen um, if you change certain things. And I, I think that's a really powerful way of actually looking at the, uh, the data. It interests me about the tech side of things because part you were saying, was it 25,000 bookings a week? Yeah. A week. And yet, you've just spent, I mean, a lot of money, what, a half a million on a new online booking platform. Essentially, you just launched at a business travel show. Mm-hmm. And what would have probably started off as a bit of a reskin of the booking tool that is so well-liked and has great functionality, suddenly turned into, we're going to incorporate the end user, we're going to incorporate clients, we're going to incorporate people that don't actually book through Clarity yeah. to take a look at mm-hmm. the platform to essentially break it down to its core components and then rebuild it yeah. in a completely new environment, completely mobile responsive. Like say you're talking about mobile, tablet, desktop, yeah. wearable tech even, yeah. looking at that. So what? why was that a conscious effort there to kind of, on a tool that was already doing well, doing okay, yeah. doing more than a tick box exercise, mm-hmm. why kind of redouble your efforts into that? You know, we talk about things being of substance and, and GoToBook really is, is a, a, a booking tool of substance because it delivers volumes. But uh, it's a bit like Paul and I, it's not the best looking thing on the market. <laughs> and uh, Speak for yourself. <laughs> like Paul's laughing there, but he's, he's crying really. <laughs> <laughs> a bit close to home. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But in all seriousness, uh, the the challenge we were having was that, you know, potential customers were seeing it and and not getting beyond the the initial look and feel of, of mm. the booking tool and and when you we talk about the consumerization of travel and and how people have experiences with the likes of Booking.com, Expedia, uh, Skyscanner, they expect that standard uh, and it might be that all the functionality is there, but if it's not pretty and the user interface takes a bit of getting used to it creates challenges for the travel buyer because the travel buyer will put something in front of people and it just because of the way it looks it can be instantly kind of underwhelming so we knew we needed to do something with that but if you fail to innovate continuously and really look at what you're doing and and improve things on a regular basis, you're gonna get left behind. This market moves too fast for us to stand back and say, isn't this great? 25,000 bookings a week, wonderful result, you know, let's leave it where it is. That's not enough. And, and, and if we did that, we'd be negligent in doing so. So it was great to actually put this in front of real end users watch what they did, see where the frustrations were, help that inform the design of the new look and feel, and, and then also replatform the things so that we can take advantage of new technologies that make search returns faster, that give us the ability to add even more content to what we've got already, to display richer content and, and enhance the, the merchandise and the shopping experience, and 
you know, really make it the, the very best out there. So it's worth every penny. Um, it's a bit like, you know, painting the fourth bridge, really. Once you've finished it, we're probably going to start again and do the same thing. Yeah. It's just got to, we've got to have that continuous improvement mentality. And from a sales and account management point of view, was that refreshing for you to see that while you're out there having those conversations with new and existing clients, that there's still all that that's coming to you still kind of having that in the yeah, back pocket? Yeah, I, I certainly think that you need to, as I said earlier, you need to be ahead of the what's out there. Um, I think probably the pace of change over the last two years has been staggering. Um, I think that we are now in a situation where there's new systems coming on board, there's far more investment in the systems, uh, they're more powerful. Um, and it, it, this is this is the way that business travel is now. It, it's not something you, you, you are just having to have. It, it is something that's fundamental to your business. Um, you need to have the, uh, the ease of use. Uh, you need it to, the, 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 the online booking tool is also doing a lot of things with regard to things like your travel policy. So it's driving a lot of the compliance. So it's not just the ability to book. It has a load of other functions in there because it's driving the type of MI that you're collecting the data. It makes making sure that uh, your preferred suppliers are, are on there. Um, it's got your you know your your, your authorization processes. It's it's a, it's an integral part of the business now and one that you would not be able to run a business travel uh, company uh, without having something which is really, really at the top of its game. I think what the way that we've presented it now is that uh, we, we had a very functional product. Um, and actually, I, I would probably say that if we go back to the way that it was designed, um, we we took the approach that we're not a software company. There's a lot of there's a lot of software out there which allows you to book travel, but essentially it is software. Business travel companies are a, uh, a blended service of the online booking tool and the offline service. So what, what you're not trying to do is have a system which is then replacing the people element because for the best will in the world, an online booking tool is only as good um, as the information that's in it. Um, it's good for certain types of booking, but there will come a point where you need expertise and that's what your offline team do. And I think we took the position of designing a tool which was based on travel people requiring a system that enables them to do the bookings rather than a system that allows you to do bookings. And that was a slightly different approach because we don't, we've never forgotten the fact that people need to have somebody at the end of the phone that has a complex booking. Um, all of our business travel consultants um, would be able to beat a, a complex fare given by an online booking tool. It doesn't matter what that tool would be. Our business travel consultants have got the knowledge, the expertise, the way that they can break a journey, the way that they can use different fare bases. That, that's what you, you get, that absolute expertise of a business travel consultant. I don't think you'll ever see a time when that will be replaced. I've never seen an online booking tool that can cope with round-the-world journeys or complex itineraries. Um, uh, that's why you still need people that can actually speak to people and understand what the journey is about and actually add their expertise. And I, I don't think that will ever be replaced. So you've had Business Travel Show 2018, you launched Insight. Yeah. Yeah. 2019, you've launched Go to Book. What's 2020 looking like? <laughs> That's top secret. Yeah. I was going to say Business Travel Show was a couple of weeks ago, so obviously <laughs> we've clearly thought about it a lot since then, but... Yeah, I, it's top secret. 
<laughs> top secret. Top secret. Tune in in four seasons yeah. and then you'll find out. Well, it's going to be an evolution of all of those elements, isn't it? You know, I think that um, what 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 we're seeing is that there's new technologies that are coming in from other sectors. So people are are looking at the ways that um, information is provided. Um, our market is becoming increasingly global, um, and uh, there is a much more uh, requirement to have um, you know. A, a global product you know the, the way to actually consolidate data go global is probably one of the key factors uh, which will evolve we can already do that um, but that will evolve in 2020 to be uh, uh, you know probably more complex um, the way that people are buying buying uh, their products and and wanting their you know their savings the way that it's being managed is going to be more complex because that's going to be enabling them to make better decisions. I mean, our job is really to manage that that travel spend for them to get the best value for money. Uh, and I think that what you're going to have is that you're just you'll get uh, um, an increasing complexity, which is easier to use, which I'm sure is probably a complete contra contradiction in terms. But um, I think what we're finding now is if you take the GoTo Insight um, product, it is enabling you to, from your desktop to manage very very con complex data streams in a very user friendly way. And I think we're going to see much more of that um, in, in 2020, mm. the, enabling the use of complex, complex data. I, th I think we'll also see, because voice is becoming a, a, a big part of people's lives with Amazon Alexa and Google Home. You just probably set off a load of <laughs> devices. You're probably going to see a lot of talk about that over the next 12 to 18 months. Um, because I, I I do think is you know especially I'd say over the last six months or so has become become a feature in a lot of people's has, lives. Yeah. Is there a, a fine line though between doing something that truly benefits somebody and something that's a gimmick? Because we've seen and I won't name names, but we've seen people in corporate and leisure industries that have implemented voice, yeah, and it's been very gimmicky. Like it doesn't actually add benefit. It doesn't really work in kind of complex structured sentences. It's yeah, enough I, as like, I, play I me think, a song, that's a... Yeah, I think it depends It depends where you use it. So a good, funny example is um, one of uh, one of my friends, every time I go around to his house, I ask Alexa to order some more toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course it does it. So he's, uh, he's, he's had to change... He'll be thanking you one day. <laughs> he's had to change the rules on it. On his Amazon account, um, so yeah, you know there are there are challenges with the use of it and when when it's best used and and so on, and of course you know what's what's the downside of that? Well, it doesn't enable him to comparison shop the price of toilet paper yeah, yeah. or get the best deal or, or whatever. And um, and I think that in the same way, when something becomes complex, people want to speak to people. Um, you might ask for simple things to happen through voice. You might actually check things through voice yeah. before you start buying things through voice. And that's very much the evolution we've seen on mobile. So until recently, and I think, it, I think we're seeing the two things uh, converge in terms of order of importance, mobile devices have been more heavily used for the management of a trip as opposed to the booking of a trip. So that management had to come first. And you know we focused on itinerary management first with mobile. Um, but booking now, people are getting more comfortable doing it because we're just more used to using 
smaller devices on a regular basis to do bigger things. Um, but is so, that because some companies have gotten better at mobile optimizing? So like we've spent a lot of time on go to book the new yeah, one. It, it, it is, and people, but there's still, we all know this. Look, if you've got to put your passport details into something, you've got to, you've got to do something fairly involved in terms of the keystrokes required, etc. You're always going to default to the easier desktop yeah. or laptop view of the world as opposed to using your mobile but when the technology facilitates that and your passport is already integrated into your profile like it is on go to book then um then actually it's going to be easier to do that you're going to trust it more you're going to get more comfortable and the same thing will happen with voice as voice becomes more functional as you were saying before and people just get used to it they'll start asking more of it and, and that will come. But in the first instance, I think it just might be things like checking things. It might actually even be towards management information or calendar and things. Tell me what time my train is, things like that. Yeah. Or for the travel manager, tell me what our spend is so far this year. And, and I, I, I see that coming, you know, we have it in mind and we've got a, a long development roadmap focused on the tools we have, but certainly voice is one of the considerations yeah. moving forward. Yeah, I was, at a, I was at a demonstration of some AI and it was, it was voice, but essentially it's text, isn't it? Because it comes in text and then goes through to voice yeah. and they were doing it on a Google Home device and it was having a conversation and it was Uber, but it wasn't Uber, if you know what I mean. So they kind of white label it because they don't want to say we work with Uber. But they were having that conversation and it was understanding multi parts of a question, for instance. So it was, um, get me a taxi from A to B. I've got five people. How much is that going to cost? What's the distance? And it comes back with that information straight away in a conversational tone. And it said, I've got, and actually I've got another person. It's going to be a six person getting into the taxi and I want to go to this place now. Um, but also, how will I recognize the driver? And then it came back with the information of, Right, we're actually going to get your Uber XL because you need a mm-hmm. bigger car. Mm. You'll recognise him. His name's Pete. He's got four and a half stars uh, and he's driving a purple whatever. And seeing that and how that works and that kind of saw it as a future for me of how it could go in that conversational. If you're in an office yeah. it's and you're option, doing things. It's if, PA, isn't it? That's yeah, your PA, if I, essentially. If I'm an, an, well, fewer and fewer people have PAs these days. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm out and about in a public space, am I going to want to be having a conversation with my device? Or do I want to... The, the information you described there is glanceable information I can see on my mobile device from Uber, for example. Yeah. And I can, I can digest that in a fraction of a second as opposed to waiting for the device to talk back to me yeah, yeah. and listening to it. So... So it's not always the most efficient way to do something. Yeah. You might be able to do it whilst you're doing something else when you're making the request, but then you've got to listen and digest what's coming back. Might not be the best way to do it. So, so it's evolving technology and we'll eventually figure out how we're going to use it. Well, you've got 12 months to figure out. Very much the, so, yeah. No pressure. Yeah. I always I kind of apply the Star Trek rule, right? And uh, in Star Trek... Folk on, on the ship used to walk around with these pads, touch pads. That's more quantum leap yeah. for me. Do you remember <laughs> Ziggy? Leap. I don't I don't know. No idea about quantum leap, but walking around with iPads. 
they speak to the computer, the computer mm. does things, you know. And and actually, this stuff kind of comes true, doesn't it? Mm. And, uh, and you know, yeah, you can see lots of applications for it. You really can. I like the way we come full circle, to? though. So the end of last season, we talked about Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> and then the this season, we talked about Star Trek. Is any excuse to get Star Trek into the... But the problem is, none of us are travelling on the Starship Enterprise. We're on a pacer train Not yet. from Northern Rail. <laughs> So that's the that's the uh, the bit we haven't quite got right yet. I'm, I'm just thinking of train journeys where everyone's talking to their device and it's talking back to them. Imagine that it's like it's bad enough if people are on the phone. So obviously we got through that. I've got a bit of history of clarity. What I wanted to get into now was so why use a TMC? And it's kind of a loaded question in some aspects. And it's probably what the bid team spends the majority of their time trying to answer. Yeah. Uh, it's probably not a simple and easy answer, but we're going to try and get one here because mm-hmm. that's what we do on the show. From your experience, I mean, I'm mid-30s now. This is the first company I've ever worked for where I've used business travel. Yeah. And I've worked for big companies, small companies, and looking at it now, I could see those companies would have saved a fortune had they not let people just go off willy-nilly and book whatever they wanted, first class, whenever they wanted, peak times, all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, how would kind of you explain that then for... For all the listeners, why would they need a TMC? Right, okay, so uh, many, many reasons. Actually, you know, you mentioned when somebody's, when we're returning a bid, usually the, the, the potential customer has decided already that they need a travel management company. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, we have to justify what we would do, but it's how do you differentiate yourself from everybody else? Yeah. Because I know I need one, but, but, but what makes, what you, makes you different? You better? Yeah. Um, but going back to the original question, which was why would you use a travel management company? We start, first of all, with all the content in one place, uh, which makes it easier for you to book what you need to book, quicker to do it, with the expertise on hand if you're trying to do something difficult. And you should never underestimate the impact that has on the quality of the trip, which is everything. If you're out selling something for example or you've got a very important business project that needs to be uh, you know delivered then the last thing you want is to be worrying about that trip you definitely don't have time to book it um, yourself uh, through multiple different websites or channels and uh, and you just want it taken care of so for the traveler first and foremost absolutely it should represent convenience and confidence in price and confidence in content. And we believe we offer all three of those things. Um, Secondly, the business wants control of what people are doing. And that can be achieved in a variety of different ways and it depends upon the business. But um, you cannot control it if you allow people to do what they wanna do and then expense it. It's too late. And you either manage it through a set of policies, or you have authorization processes, whole variety of things that we can do and we can build into that booking process on and offline so that people work within the rules set by the business. Um, I think businesses have to get better in most cases of telling, uh, telling people why they're doing that. Sometimes it, it's, it just seems there's a policy and I've got to comply. Does it seem there's a punishment it's onerous, in some instances? Uh, why, why, why are they making me do this when I can go and do X, Y, and Z elsewhere. And, uh, and I think that's the next message. You know, you, you cannot manage your spend if you don't control it. So you can't get best value for money if you don't control it. 
You can't leverage your spend if you don't control it. So get it under control and then we can help you manage the spend, change behaviours. We can consult with you on the best way to go with regards to things like hotel and air programmes, on changing buying practices, educating your users, uh, helping you with communication. Um, something we believe we're strong at is is the, the support we can offer in terms of the, the communication of a business objective. Um, and of course, the, the account manager brings all that forgive, together for you and, and provides you with insights through Paul's team. Yeah, and certainly that's part of the key of it because it, it allows the client to then manage their internal policies. I mean, we have, we have a variety of clients that either want a fairly draconian approach where it's very strict or they want to actually manage the, the policies in a, in a more consultative way. Um, Do you find that one's better than the other with that approach? Uh, depends who you are. Depends what they're doing, yeah. And it depends on, you know, our, the, our tool gives you maximum flexibility. It can differentiate travel by pay grade, uh, different kind of, you know, allowances on, on there. So it can be actually managed quite seamlessly and in the background. Uh, and it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, completely in your face. Um, but what it does do is that it will allow them to start looking at the, um, you know, the, the, how, how far in advance that they're booking their flights. The new GoToInsight tool will actually be telling them for this hotel, the best prices is on generally eight days out or something. So it's an amazing way of actually approaching the travel. Uh, I think what part of the starting point for us is that, that if, if, it's, if it is somebody new to having a TMC, they really kind of need to understand that question themselves. Why are we using a TMC? Because the key thing is that communication process. They, they need to be getting the key stakeholders involved because what, what you're doing is you're taking away something that somebody used to do themselves and there's a feeling of loss of control. And, and, and to a certain extent, Nowadays, a lot, virtually everybody is a travel agent. You know, they're very comfortable with booking flights. And one of the main challenges we always get is I can get this cheaper on the internet um, by using various sites. And, and you have to kind of understand that, that this un, what, if you're do, using a site to check a flight, it may not be a real availability or that price may not be available. We get around that. We have a price guarantee. So we have a number of policies that will guarantee that. So there is a protection there that if, if on the odd occasion uh, there is a price discrepancy, we can, we can uh, deal with it. But um, that's probably one of the main objections we get, that, that, that uh, I can get it cheaper on the internet. Um, it's very, very rare that that's the case, is having all the content in one place. And the other key thing really is that, you know, even though people like to think of themselves in travel agent as a travel agent, they're actually paid to do something different. I mean, it's, it's, it's great saving £5 if you've checked eight websites and spent three hours yeah. doing it. Um, you then have to work out, you know, the productivity on that is that you want to be able to do quick, efficient, cost-effective bookings which are, are, are capturing the right data. You don't really want people trawling the internet looking for a deal on an obscure website uh, and saying, oh, you know, I've managed to get it cheaper. Um, because it, it very rarely happens, but we, we do have that as a, as a, as a key objection um, on occasion. Yeah. But the key thing for us is really, you're, you're getting all your data in one place. It allows you to um, focus on, the, on, on your buying patterns. It allows you to look at particular, you know, say a hotel chain that you're using a lot. Sometimes it can be a revelation. Uh, the, you know, we, we often have clients who have no idea how much they're spending on travel, and it can be quite a shock. Um, because it's on different uh, budget lines, it's on expenses. 
Uh, once they know the information, you know, if you can measure it, you can manage it. And that's what we say is once you're measuring it, then managing it, making some decisions on it. And we normally find that, you know, a couple of years into a relationship, we're then making some significant savings for them. Hotel programs, uh, looking at the flights that they're using, looking at when they're booking, booking horizons are, changing the way that they're acting on, on rail travel. And our job really, we, we, we're almost in a, a slightly strange business because our job is to make less money because we're trying to reduce the costs. Uh, of our clients and get them to spend less with us yeah so it's kind of a strange business that we're in you know we actually we 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 earn our money by making them spend less money it's uh it's an odd it's an odd business to be very very strange reality that one (laughs) and uh you know you get into things with them like did you know that maybe you might have a slightly dysfunctional meeting culture because you've got people coming in from all over the country for a nine o'clock meeting in London. Well, that's going to cost you a fortune. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what can you do to change the way people are organising themselves? So there are insights yet sometimes way beyond simply how people book travel. It's how, how the business is actually behaving culturally. Yeah. And, um, and the best travel buyers out there recognise that and become real advocates for change within their own business. They start to represent travel and enable what the business is trying to do. Um, You can have a massive impact. Yeah. You can actually uncover some quite shocking things. And one one client I was dealing with only in the last six months that they were implementing their program. And then we were checking their travel patterns. And then they realized that they were uh, regularly sending out a team of IT people to look at the uh, cabling in a particular office. Um, on a very regular basis. And they were sending like five or six people. But they then also worked out that they were staying in really nice hotels over the weekend of the Singapore Grand Prix every year. And they, this was, they had no idea this was happening, that, you know, that a group of people were actually going out there to do a bit of cabling in an office to, to actually stay in, in actually Raffles Hotel watching the Singapore Grand Prix. Needless to say, that kind of thing stopped pretty quickly. But the IT team hates you now, like they've got... I'm not, you know, but it, it, is, it is that sometimes there is an, there is an unawareness that certain things are happening. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's... Is understanding those patterns and giving the data. Um, very often, the account manager will highlight right down to booker level. You know the the good bookers, the bad bookers, and the really bad bookers. Um, and but it's up to the client to then do do something about it. It's not our job to then sort of deal with those people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's up to then say right. I can see that this person is consistently month on month a high cost traveller. They booking the day before or on the same day. They need to go and have a chat with them and say, look, you know, you, you, are you aware of um, of, of the, the amount you're costing? Some other clients, we deal with a lot of charity clients, and and what they're seeing is actually that their policies, people are well under the policies. You know, they that they are looking at the fact that if they save money, then actually there's more money available to go into their charitable work. And it's, it's fantastic to see when we're doing the, the account reviews with those guys because they are consistently below their rate caps. Yeah. They're consistently buying very smartly. They got fantastic behaviors, 99% online for their rail. Uh, and it, it is actually pretty satisfying to see that, at, that they are making a difference. They're being very responsible for their spend. Well, they, they totally buy into it because they understand why they're trying to save yeah. the money. And, and it, you know, it, it really is instructive, isn't it? Because, because if people understand it, they, they go for it, they make it happen. They've got to believe in it. I think maybe in some ways, 
for charities, that's quite an easy sell because mm. they can put it in very real terms in terms of what the, the charity can do. But, uh, but it just goes to show how a well-communicated policy can make such a difference. Um, it's not do this, it's do this because. Yep. That's, that's the, the really important element of it. We take it beyond even just um, the, the behaviours, leverage and spend and so on. We can help you automate as well. So if there's a large amount of spend going through and historically it's all gone through expenses, well, we can take that away. We can send it through consolidated invoicing, for example, so that you're paying one supplier rather than thousands. Simplifying that accounts payable process has a, a huge impact for businesses. Usually that alone uh, pays for the, 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 the fees for using us. And then beyond that, and this is of crucial importance, and this is where we get back to the people again, you know where your people are. Yep. And right now that is so very, very important. If you've ever seen expense data for travel, you'll see that because people have to enter locations and data and so on, uh, there are two major deficiencies in it. Number one, it's inaccurate because it's what that person thinks when they're putting something in. So I've seen all kinds of things. Like, Did you know there's a Shangri-La in Peterborough? <laughs> there isn't really, but, <laughs> but it was place of purchase for here I am in Peterborough. So Peterborough, yeah. And actually the Shangri-La was probably overseas and actually it could be somewhere risky. Um, and the second thing is it's after the event. So when they're actually on the trip, we don't know. They get back from it, expense it. That's the first we know that that person has been there and uh, you are failing in your duty of care if that's the case for a business of any size actually and uh, and really you know that's that's crucial for a couple of reasons first of all the corporate manslaughter act all that kind of stuff you, you know essentially a business could be negligent uh, if it doesn't know where its people are it's not giving them the right information and the second one is uh, a softer one which is um, does your business care about where you are? And the message should be, we, we want to know where you are, where you're going, so that we can look after you, because we care about it. It's important to us. And, and these softer factors are so important in today's world, because it's, you know, people are, are, are more inclined to look at factors like travel policy, like uh, the duty of care approach, softer factors around the way they're managed in their choice of employer. And you want people to be advocates of you. You don't want uh, your business to say, well, I have to expense everything, so it hits my own pocket every month. Uh, the business doesn't know where I am. I had a problem and I didn't know who to contact. We're also there to facilitate that if you have a problem overseas, 24-7, 365. And that should make a huge difference to anybody who travels on business, be it a simple trip in the UK or something more complex overseas. When it, when it comes to like the 24-7 um, support, I, I always use the example of like an insurance policy. You know, it's, it's, you have an insurance policy on your house and you pay it and uh, you hope you're never going to need it. But, to, you know, when you do need it, thankfully it's there. Um, it's the same with travel, uh, really, is that, you know, travel on occasion does go wrong in, in various forms. You know, you might miss flights you might have problems with that but if you have 
been, uh, say, a maverick traveller and you have booked it yourself, you are on your own. You're, you're at the airport desk trying to sort out your problems, trying to get yourself rebooked. You might have to get hotels and that. But that's really where the TMC also comes in, is that you know we're at the end of the line 24-7. This has happened. I need somebody to sort it out. But more importantly, to a certain extent, is that we are often preempting the problem. You know, if you take, I mean, if I, it's, it's a couple of years old now that, say, the Paris bombings, for instance, we had people that were actually on the aircraft arriving in Paris, and we then were able to contact and say, look, there has been an issue. Um, what action do you want us to take? Do you want us to book a return flight? Do you still want to carry on with your trip? So it's being really proactive. It's not You're not waiting for something to happen to then take the action. Um, but actually, the, that's, that's, a, that's a really powerful tool that you you have that backup and you know if you do it yourself and it's the same as you know if you're doing your own travel is when it goes wrong or you know an airline cancels a flight you know there's nobody there's nobody behind the desk you don't know where you are you don't know what you're what you're doing there's nobody to give you any support you can't hold a customer service but at least with you using a tmc you've got somebody there 24 7 and you can say look i just need to get out of this place i need a hotel can you get me a taxi that kind of stuff and that can all be sorted out for you um seamlessly and dealt with and you don't have to worry about it because that's that's a pretty stressful kind of environment to be in so call us Convinced. on the number here <laughs> what we'll do we'll have a quick break uh, have a word from our sponsors the hearts and minds manifesto on the clarity business travel.com and then we'll be right back with our final segment of the season hearts and minds is about how we combine hard metrics with human understanding technology with local knowledge the brightest analysts with the best account managers we want to change the way we do business travel bringing hearts and minds together improving experience without increasing cost manifesto for a more balanced approach to business travel download your copy now at claritybusinesstravel.com today and welcome back so we've done first best and worst for you guys a few times now so what i want you to do is i flew on concord by the way did, you, did i did, tell you that did you ever go on a concord yet, i don't know if you ever went on. twice actually and pat's one-eyed <laughs> one-eyed three-legged cat yeah in pete was that peterborough that's a call back, isn't it? outside That was a Shangri-La, is that yeah, where you, Shangri-La, yeah, you yeah. thought about it? In Market Deeping. Yeah. 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 That cat still thinks about it. He's got a little picture of you just next to its little cat bed. Um, yeah, so what I want you to do, and obviously not naming any names if we can, but yeah. I want you guys to talk about what your dream client would be. Um, all right. Is it enough to say they pay the highest possible fees and uh, whatnot, yeah. but no really they go to New York and back every day <laughs> <laughs> that's it um, no the, the, the dream client for me is one that truly understands the value of having business travel managed um, but is also a great communicator and advocate for what they do within their business and we've got many clients who are great in that way um, they um really do ensure that the, the people in their business understand the reasons why they're using a TMC, buy into it, and, 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 and win the hearts and minds of the business travellers. And I know we're you know, using our, our campaign there in hearts and minds, but, but that it's really our show. is... Well, yeah, it's our might show. as well plug it. Um, that, that really is what it's about, because um, if you get that business-wide buy-in, and also from the most senior people within the business as well who get behind a program like that, then you can really do things with your business travel spend. And, uh, and we can really make an impact because we really enjoy making that impact. So, so I'd certainly be looking for a client who gets it, can communicate it, 
uh, gets buy-in at every level within the organisation, um, supports what we're trying to do, um, understands uh, what can and can't be done, uh, but we don't mind a bit of challenge either uh, because that makes us better too. And you know, the, the very best clients will communicate with us on a regular basis too, so it's not just about inside their own organisation, it's with us as well. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're the biggest spend in the world or not. Uh, it's it's about you know really trying to get that message across and and achieve things with the spend you have. As a United fan, I thought you were going to say Manchester United, but well, that too, yeah. So yeah, uh, them as well. If you're listening, uh, do get in touch. Do get in touch. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and Paul, I, I think the 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 best the best clients for me are the ones that really. It's a bit of a cliche, but do take a partnership approach. You know, they're using the services of a TMC for a particular reason, that they value the services of a TMC and can see what they're getting out of the relationship. And I find those kind of relationships really effective where they're... It's sometimes difficult, you know, I think this is a very apt... Um, podcast because it is the number one question why should I use a TMC um, and you do feel like you, you're almost uh, justifying the fact that you do charge fees for your services we are a business um, and, but when, you, when you're charged a fee for a service there is some intrinsic value in that and that value is understood um, and I, I think the best the best clients that I've come across that really kind of get that they they understand what we're providing for them. Um, we can we can then work with them in terms of like the direction that they're taking. You know, they may well be going global. They may want us to facilitate that. Uh, we have a number of clients. For one particular effective relationship is where they are working on a number of projects, uh, and they speak to us in advance of the project to make sure that we can get the best rates for them before the project becomes widely known because as soon as it becomes widely known the rates will go up yeah. uh, and that's when we have that open relationship that they look on us as a partner that is going to help them facilitate their business and, and save them their, their money as well um, they're, they're great relationships we've got we've got a number of those which work which work really effectively and i always find that they're they're really um, um enjoyable conversations at the review that it's not always about you know the cost of a rail ticket it's actually what they want to do longer term as opposed to what they're doing you know on a hotel or something yeah i generally thought you were going to say desperate housewives of cheshire <laughs> <laughs> oh yes so that would that would be kind of just fun. them There's just getting them for me the, to the, be the, the travel for them would be fun take on the account management there yeah oh yeah, yeah he'd do that account. personally i'll do the uh, account management on yeah. that one as well yeah. weekly weekly uh, account <laughs> management <laughs> <laughs> so that has brought us nicely to the end of the episode and the end of the series. Um, just for me personally, it's been, uh, I joined Clarity in November 2017. Uh, I was doing another show before then. Uh, talked to Pat when I first joined about doing a, a show and how that would look. Uh, and here we are almost what, 28, 29 episodes later, over 80,000 listeners. Wow, uh, that's amazing. You guys have been absolutely incredible um, for joining us on this incredible journey been an absolute honor like i say the journey doesn't stop here you can go back and listen to old episodes or across also um podcast platforms uh, you can find us social media at clarity underscore bt we are on facebook we are on linkedin as well you can just find us there by searching the name also there's clarity presents we've never really plugged that on this show because i'm not on it 
But yeah, you might as well give them a little plug. That's a video format. That's on YouTube, so you can go and watch those. Thank you to all the guests that we've had on for season one and season two, including Virgin. We've had Festive Row. We've had Microsoft on the show. Uh, we've had some great, incredible guests. Thank you to Pat and Paul for, for joining me on here. It's a pleasure. And we'll see you on the other side. Thank you. Thank you.